Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, welcome to Centerpoint. I'm so glad to see you today. And uh, if you're new with us, my name's John, lead pastor here. And our mission is loving and leading people to life-changing connection with Christ. And I'm praying that for each one of us, that's what's happening in this moment, in this environment together. All right, so I want to just share, before I get into the message, share a bit of a testimony. And uh, this uh, past Seek Week, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago now, on a Friday night, two weeks ago, we ended our Seek Week with a unique kind of impromptu moment. And here's what it was. We had this couple that used to be uh, part of our church, kind of grew up here, that we sent out onto the mission field, Scott and Mandy Pulliam. And we sent them to Africa. And they were in Africa for three and a half years. And they came back uh, to be with us for a short time as they got the sense God was now sending them to Nepal. And they, w- they went to Nepal. We commissioned them and sent them out to Nepal. But then the COVID craziness happened. And they ended up ha- having to leave the country immediately in a, in a, in a, in a difficult circumstance. And they came back and they knew that the only way they could go back to Nepal is if they had a legitimizing reason for being there. And Scott discerned that what God was calling them to do was to become a helicopter pilot because they need helicopter pilots in Nepal. And so he had that in his spirit, but there was this mountain in front of him. And the mountain was the incredible cost of becoming a helicopter pilot. And it was causing him to, to feel like, how could he even take a step forward? But during Seek Week, I felt compelled to speak to Scott in the spirit to say, hey, man, this is what God has for you. And I believe God is saying, it's time to take a step into it. And uh, so he shared with me that it sounded like a great idea, but that each lesson costs four or five hundred dollars and that he would need somewhere around 60 to 80 of those lessons. So you do the math and you know that's a pretty big mountain. Well, anyway, on the Friday night, I, I, I wanted to just do something about this. And so we uh, received a special offering. And I said, hey, uh, Scott, maybe it's not all going to come through, but enough to at least take your step forward in faith. And each lesson was going to be uh, four or $500. And I shared that with everyone. And I just want to report back to you that the generosity of our community uh, showed up with $11,000 that was given for Scott's helicopter pilot's license training. And I just love that, that in addition to saying, yeah, we're going to tithe and make sure that our mission here is growing, that enough people in this church family said, but also we want to make sure that what God wants to do far beyond this place can happen. And this one was very unique because we don't get to, you know, hear the testimony next week. Like, hey, there's this person in Nepal that found God's love. It's going to take a couple of years. But we got this thing started. And I'm uh, proud to report back to you. Scott just uh, texted me a picture of him flying a helicopter over a field. And it was lesson number four that he just completed. And you helped make it happen. So well done, church. Well done. Yay. I just love it when God works through the generosity of his people so that something larger than life and beyond what's currently possible can actually happen. So exciting. I'm going to ask you to open up the scriptures today to Exodus chapter 3. So you can turn there now and and, uh, open to Exodus 3 on your Bible app or flip through the pages and get there. But uh, this is part three of Fresh Fire. (laughs) I was thinking about fire and thankfully I don't have very many pyrotechnic stories to tell. 
But I do have a couple. And, and one that, that I was remembering was, I think I was around seven or eight years old. And my family, we lived in Savannah, Georgia at the time. And uh, I distinctly remember building stuff with Legos by the wall of my bedroom. And I was building a little Lego world and it needed, it needed a sun. And I found the, the socket and I thought, I'm gonna pl plug in a nightlight there and it'll be like the sun for my little Lego world. And I plugged it in, but it didn't work. And uh, I figured the bulb was broken, so I started trying to unscrew the bulb and I guess somehow I turned it the wrong way, but the glass of the little bulb cracked. And so I got shards of glass in this little thing and, and, and I, I figure it's broken, but I didn't wanna get cut. So I shoved paper into this little thing because I, I was a smart little seven or eight year old, shoved paper onto that glass, protect my hands. And, and then I thought, you know, maybe this wire thing is why the bulb isn't working and maybe I could figure out a solution. The next thing I know, I'm digging around finding a paper clip and I took a paper clip and I, I jammed that in there too. I figured that'll make this thing work, right? And I, and I shove it into the outlet and then it like sizzles sets the paper on fire, and I run, I get my cup of water from my nightstand, and I throw it on the thing, shuts off the power in the whole house, or at least that circuit. I thank God for circuit breakers and adults. You know, that was my big takeaway from that moment. But uh, that, that fire that I just shared about is a, a natural kind of a fire. And in that case, an accidental, dangerous kind of natural fire. But as we switch into... Uh, the scriptures right now, we're, we're discovering something completely different, and it's supernatural fire. And in this series, what I'm praying for is that for many of us who have been on a journey of faith for a while, that through this message series, that some of us would catch a, a, a new sense of the fire of God in our lives, and that we'd be changed because of it. And for others of us that maybe this is new for us, I'm praying that you would get lit up by the fire of God in your life, the supernatural fire of God. And so we're turning to Exodus chapter 3 right now, and this is this moment where uh, it's Old Testament it's before God's people have been set free from slavery in Egypt, but that's what's about to happen. And in this particular moment of scripture, God is, is, is proverbially tagging Noah, or sorry, Moses, wrong guy, <laughs> tapping Moses on the shoulder to say, you're it. And so with all that in mind, we'll jump into Exodus chapter three, verse one. So one day Moses was tending the flock of his father, in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement through the bush. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer. The Lord warned, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Whom Mo when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. This is one of those moments that if you've been a believer for a long time or you've been in church a long time, you've probably heard this before. And if we're not taking care, this can be so familiar 
that we kind of just read right through it like, okay, next, what, what else? But we have to pause. We have to recognize this moment. It's one of the most iconic, emblematic moments that there can be. I mean, it's been depicted in, in movies and cartoons and in countless thousands of pieces of artwork. And, and it's this moment that uh, it, it, it has to be in our minds. And, and I love how it's sometimes depicted, like in art, sometimes it's depicted in, in any number of ways, but sometimes it's this one where it's the kind of old man in the sky touching him, or it's the straightforward representation of the burning bush, or sometimes it's uh, done in CGI, like it's ready for a cartoon. Or, but I love these ones where it gets very creative and evocative and almost mysterious and beyond natural altogether. But one of my favorites is this one where there's just a close-up of the foot of Moses, sandal off to the side, because he knows and he has heard that this moment is unlike any other, and that this moment is meant to transform him, but in order for that transformation to happen, he needs to be willing to step into this moment and to step into it fully aware of just what's happening, just how holy, just how other, just how mysterious and transcendent and supernatural this moment is. And so <laughs> this moment, I believe it's, it's one where God is showing up in real time. We would call it a theophany. But for Moses, all it was was something intriguing taking place that he didn't really understand. We can look back at this and say, oh yeah, that was a theophany, a, a, a physical appearance uh, of, of God himself. But for Moses, he, he had no awareness of that. He just knew that something was catching his attention. Something was beckoning him. Something was speaking to him. Something was drawing him. Something was, was going on that went beyond the normal that he had to come closer to. And I believe that what God was doing was catching and capturing Moses' attention and in a way showing us that it's what he wants to do for us as well, that he wants to catch our attention. And God is on the move to catch our attention in so many different ways. In this way, it comes through the fire. But I want my resolve to be this. I'll let the fire of God call me to spiritual attention. I'll let the fire of God call me to spiritual attention. I want you to just say this with me. I let the fire of God call me to spiritual attention. One more time, say it. I let the fire of God call me to spiritual attention. I want you to see the deeper message of this moment. Because on one hand, this is a revelation of who God is. And the scriptures declare, Deuteronomy 4.24 says, our God is a consuming fire. The prophet Isaiah echoes those words several times, saying, yes, God is a consuming fire. And in Malachi 3, the prophet Malachi says, God will sit as a refiner's fire, ready to purify through and through. And then in Hebrews, in the New Testament, this is echoed again. Our God is a consuming fire. And in this moment, the holiness, the righteousness, the purity, and the justice of God are represented in this burning flame. But what I want you to see is the message that goes beyond the words. That consuming fire of God is resting on this bush, but not burning it up. 
And while God's holy, pure, justice fire does consume sin and injustice and unrighteousness of whatever kind, God's holy fire is able to rest on you without burning you up. But instead of being burned up by God, you can be blessed and set free by the fire of God. That is the message beyond the words in this moment. And I want to let the fire of God call me to spiritual attention. I think that this is something that in this passage of scripture we're meant to see. Step back for a moment to verse 5 and just check it out. God speaks to Moses and says, don't come any closer. The Lord warned him. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. In this moment, it's as though God is saying, don't take for granted what's happening here in this holy encounter. And by extension, I think God's maybe speaking to you and to me and to all of us to say, don't settle for familiarity with the divine. Don't underestimate the value of the divine encounter that's taking place. Don't settle for treating your experience with your heavenly father as something so familiar that it it causes you to forget, to fear him as the one who is mysterious and tremendous and terrible and amazing and wonderful and mighty and powerful all at the same time. Like that, that this moment is a revelation of who God is, holy, consuming fire, but who is willing to rest without burning up what he's resting on. But again, God says to Moses, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Would you just say that phrase, this is holy ground? Say it again, this is holy ground. I believe God wants for all of us as his sons and daughters to experience holy ground moments where we're able to recognize, wait a minute, God's doing something right now. Where we're able to experience how God may be moving and what God may be saying. And that as we step into that holy ground moment, we're willing to just stop and listen. But it calls for us to set aside the mundane, to turn away from what we so often just kind of numb ourselves out with. And you can describe that however you want to. What do you numb yourself out with that needs to be set aside so you can turn toward the holy fire of God and let him call you to spiritual attention? God is saying to Moses, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. And I think maybe God wants to say to somebody right now, let there be holy ground moments in your life where you anticipate that God is showing up, where you anticipate that the spirit of God is moving and you pay attention and and you allow yourself to bow in his presence. You let yourself tremble before him. You come to him with a sense of awe and reverence for who he is. And that you're, you're, you're willing to have the Abba, Father, gentle, daddy, God moments, but you're also yearning for an experience of his majesty. It would call you to a deeper place. I hope that you and I would have holy ground moments, but I think maybe a lot of us have had 
holy ground moments. I mean, think about it for a moment. For Moses, he, he had a holy ground moment, but before he even knew it was holy ground, God was present. For Moses, it began with simply, you know what, something's going on over there. I think I need to check that out. Wow, this is amazing. I want to take an even closer look. If you think about it in your life, you've probably had moments like that too. And maybe it showed up in a, in a friend of yours that, that there was something about them that you just went, wow, man, there's something about this person. I just, I just love what I see there. I want to take a closer look. There's something amazing about her. What is it? And you know what you came to find? That it was the fire of God burning inside of her that caused you to become aware of something and someone that goes far beyond your here and now with all of its problems and struggles and circumstances. I believe that God wants for every single one of us who are believers to be walking, burning bush kinds of people that can allow others to encounter a sense of the majesty and mighty power of God wherever we go. Moses had this moment where, where he, he came closer to what he might have just thought was something intriguing. And God said, kick those sandals off. This is holy ground. Maybe for somebody else here today, uh, it happened because, uh, you know, somebody invited you to church and you came and you went, wow, there's something about that. I, I wonder what that is. I, I want to take a closer look. And you're getting a little closer now. And it's as though God right now is saying, yeah, this is holy ground. Don't let it be just another thing that you yawn about. It's holy, God says, because I'm present in it. I'm here. It's a holy ground moment. Let me keep reading in verse 7 and following. It says, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. And yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and now I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go. For I'm sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. This part of the scripture is full of revelation about who God is. Starting from the first moment where we see God as holy, consuming fire. But here in this moment, there are four distinct things that are revealed about the nature of God. And I want you to hear each one of them. First of all, in verse 7, God speaks and says, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people. Would you just read that part of that verse with me? Say it. I have certainly seen the oppression. God has his eyes on you. God has, has a watch over you. And there is a way that God is observing whatever we're going through. And he sees it. God says, I have certainly seen. Lest you think that I was unaware, I want you to know. I've certainly seen the oppression of my people. And there's something about oppression that God looks at deeply. When somebody's under an authority that's doing them wrong, God's watching. He's looking. He says, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people. And verse 7 says, and I've heard their cries of distress. Why don't you say that out loud? Say, 
I've heard their cries of distress. God is speaking this word. And, and I want you to hear this as a revelation about who God is. When you find yourself in that moment where you just don't know what to do and you're on the floor and you're pounding the, the, the wood in front of you, you're hitting that carpet and crying out and there's tears coming down your eyes, I want you to know that God hears those cries. He hears each one. And then in verse seven, God says, yes, I'm aware of their suffering. Why don't you say that out loud with me? Say it. God speaks and says, yes, I am aware of their suffering. And he calls it suffering. He doesn't belittle it and say, ah, it's just a little, it's just a little problem. It's just a little struggle. It's suffering. And he sees it for what it is. So we see the heart of God coming through. I have seen the oppression my people are under. I've heard their cries of distress. I'm aware of their suffering. And this includes you. And then God says, so I have come down. I love that. In verse 8, God says, so I have come down to rescue them. Why don't you say that one out loud with me? Say it. So I have come down to rescue them. This is the Lord God Almighty speaking. And God is saying, my heart is that my people would know that I'm here in the middle of their distress and oppression and suffering, I'm here. That I'm not staying far off, I'm not gonna be distant, I'm gonna be right there with my people, even in the middle of the suffering that they're going through. But this is how I'm gonna do it. Verse 10. Now go. I want you to say this full verse out loud with me. God says, ready? Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. God is, is here revealing his heart of compassion for his people, but he's also revealing his plan for how his compassion is going to be manifest. And so often the way God is going to bring his rescue is through a, a son or daughter of the Most High who's had encounter with the fire of God and catches fire personally and then is willing to run with some courage and some bravery and some compassion and love right into the hurting, right into the pain, right into the darkness, right into the place where it hurts the most and to come with the love of God and to say the fire of God is here because I'm here. This is the model. This is what you see revealed in Scripture. God saying, yep, I have heard the cries. Yes, I'm aware of the suffering. Yes, I've seen the oppression. Now go. Everyone say, now go. Put that verse 10 back up on the screen one more time. God says it. Say it with me. Now go. Say it one more time, just those words. Now go. Now go into the, sh into the shark-infested waters <laughs> called where you're working and where somebody who has the authority is mistreating some people and show up with the fire of God that can help bring some love and compassion to somebody. Now go into that classroom and allow the fire of God to be alive inside of you so that somebody catches the warmth of God, whether you say his name out loud or not. Now go into that job site 
and be the one who shows up early and takes care to do it right and helps other people along the way. Now go, now go. This is always part of the kingdom plan of God. We get to have an encounter with the fire of God, not just so that we can feel a little better and feel a little bit more warm for ourselves, but so that we can run into the places where God has us with an assignment from heaven to bring his deliverance and goodness and love and compassion so that people get rescued. This is the kingdom plan. It's what we're made for. Okay, so, so, so we see it. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh and what I want to do with this is I want to let the fire of God move me into action. And that's the second part of this message. I let the fire of God move me, call me to move me into action. Would you just say that out loud with me? Say it. I let the fire of God call me to move me into action. So what action is the fire of God calling you into? I can't answer that question for you, but I want you, to, want you to see what the Lord himself might say to you. What kind of action is the fire of God calling you into? I gotta keep reading. Exodus 3, chapter 3, verse 11. It says, Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors to send me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Man, this is a powerful moment. And it's the moment where God reveals his name. And names matter, don't they? Names matter. And what we do with names matters. And sometimes names are, are, are honored. And sometimes names are dishonored and, and not held in honor the way they should be. And God is here saying, my name matters. And, and I think all of us get that. Names matter. And you know, I just want to say something for a minute. You know, the last couple of years have been hard for a lot of people. Can we just acknowledge that? The last couple of years have been hard for people who work in, in the medical field. The last couple of years have been hard for uh, people who work in, in restaurants. And the last couple of years have been hard for people who work in, in leadership. And, but there's one group of people that this last couple of years has been really hard for that haven't been mentioned. And, and I'm going to mention them right now. The last couple of years have been extremely hard for people named Karen and Brandon. <laughs> Am I right? Come on. The last couple of years have been really hard for people named Karen and Brandon. It just has been. And I just want to say to anyone named Karen or Brandon, on behalf of the world, I'm sorry. <laughs> really. 
I mean, come on. Like, you know, 60 years ago when your mom gave birth to you and she said, oh, let's, let's call her Karen. It wasn't because she was imagining that one day you would be shouting at someone in a grocery store about their mask, right? That, that wasn't what was going on. And, and th that name has been misused. And my mom's name is Karen. It's wrong to misuse that name. If your name is Brandon, 38 years ago when your dad looked at you when you were born and said, let's call him Brandon, it wasn't because he was thinking one day that you would be sniffing people's necks in weird ways, right? Like that wasn't what was happening, right? And these names have been misused, right? I just want to say I'm sorry for that, right? Names matter. If, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, I can't even begin to explain it. I'm so sorry. But, but the names matter. The meaning of names matter. What we do with names matter. And here in this moment, God, God, God is saying, if I'm going to share my name with you, I want you to know who I really am and what it really means. And I want you to carry my eternal name carefully. And so God reveals his name. And here the name is revealed. The name is, is Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. Up until this point in the Hebrew Bible, We've only seen the word Elohim for God. And the word Elohim in Hebrew, it's appropriate. It, it does reveal something about God, but, but it's kind of broad. It, it would sound a bit like the deity or God with a lowercase g almost. It's not all that specific. But Yahweh is very specific, and it's a name. Where Elohim is more of a designation or, or title, Yahweh is a specific name with specific meaning. The word Elohim was used in the Hebrew Bible 2,600 times. The word, uh, the word Yahweh, is the name of God, is used 6,828 times. And so it's a, it's a name with meaning that we are meant to to understand and hold with reverence. And here's the thing, uh, for, for a, lot of, a lot of centuries, and maybe even to this day, people didn't know how to pronounce the name. And the reason for that is that the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish faith people, felt that this name is so holy that it should never even be uttered. It's ineffable. You should never even say it out loud and felt so strongly about this that it was never spoken out loud. The vowels were even removed from the writing of it anywhere. And so you get just the consonants and no one really knew how to pronounce it. And even saying the name Yahweh, we're not entirely sure that that's the right pronunciation. We, we guess at it. Several hundred years ago, people guessed at the pronunciation, and from just the consonants, instead of Yahweh, put the vowels a little differently, guessing, and, and said Jehovah, but it's still the same consonants. This is still this name. If you were just saying the consonants, it would be something like Yahweh, right? So, so when we say Yahweh, we, we may be close to the right pronunciation, or we may be a little off, but we know who we're talking about the one who is the great I am. And, and God is revealing in his name saying, this, this is what you need to know about me. And, and as he reveals his name, he says it in the past and the present and the future. I was, I am, and I will be. I am the God of past, present, and future. And if you could use your imagination and zoom out with me for a second beyond uh, Murrieta and Temecula and Lake Elsinore and beyond California and beyond 
the earth and beyond the sun and solar system as we know it and beyond every galaxy and beyond every one of the trillions of, of stars and multiple universes that there may be. And before any of that ever came into any form of existence, before and beyond all of that, all there is is Yahweh. I am, I will be, I was, all at the same time. That there is nothing beyond Yahweh. It is God saying, I am the self-existent one. The only self-existent one. The cause of absolutely everything you know and experience and see and have dreamt and will experience in the future. Every bit of it ultimately comes from me. God is saying, I am. I'm the ground of all being. I am the one within whom everything exists, including you and your moments that you're living through. I am outside of it all, but I'm right up close inside of it all with you. I am. You know, I think it's important to, to let God identify himself for us. Because there's no shortage of opinions. There's a whole lot of people who go, I think God is like this. And well, I think God is like that. And I believe that God's self-identification is where we need to start and build our faith from. And so the third part of this message is simply this. I let the fire of God call me to trust in God's self-identification. He's identifying himself to you today. And I think part of how he's identifying himself is through the fire. And he's beckoning to you today. I think for somebody, what's happening for you is there's a stirring inside, and, and it's, it's this. It's the one who is called Yahweh, the great I am. He's whispering to you and shouting at the same time and saying, stop settling for common when I've called you to kingdom. It's as though the, the Holy One of Israel, Yahweh himself, is beckoning you, and maybe you're where Moses was going, huh, that's interesting. I think I gotta check that out. But God's saying your name to you and drawing you. And I'm praying that right now that the fire begins to be evident to you and that you hear the voice of God calling to you from the fire. And that it's not just an old Bible story about Moses, but it begins to become more and more your reality, the way you live, that, that you wake up and you begin to sense what the, what the word of God is for your life. And, and as you begin to read the scriptures, you open up the Bible and whether you have five minutes to read God's word or five hours, but that you would begin to open God's word and something about what you read here would be like fire sparks right on the page and it would cause you to have to stop, stop even reading. You were going to read eight chapters and you can't even go on because in the second verse that you read, God gripped your heart with his fire. I'm praying for you that out of that fire, you would get a sense of, of his passion so much so that you would stand up and say, I'm heading into my world. I'm heading into my day, ready to move in this fiery, compassionate, holy, purifying, consuming love of God right into wherever he's calling me. That I, I, want, I want to pray for you to be the kind of woman who says, I know who I am because I know the I am. And I know that who I am is somebody filled with his power. And I will not shrink back, but I will walk into whatever place he sends me because I heard him say to me, now go. I'm praying for you that you would be the kind of man who would be a man of God who has had encounter with the fiery presence of God so much so that you say, I know who my God is and I'm gonna be like him. 
He shows up to bring a rescue, and I will too. This is who you and I are meant to be. We move beyond mere surface level religiosity, and we don't settle for just churchianity. We, We move into an experience of encounter with God that sets us on fire so that we can bring his fire to wherever it's needed. I'm praying that, that we, we all begin to catch this fire and that we live with it, that we run with it. We let God's self-identification speak to us. When we fast forward to the end of the Bible, we get to the, the very end of the book of Revelation. And in the end, God, who has fully in the scriptures revealed himself as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, demonstrates his end game, which is Jesus Christ coming again as a ruling king. Yeah, Jesus, Prince of Peace, but coming ready to war so that his peace can be established fully and finally. And in that, there's this depiction in in Revelation 19, verse 12, that describes Jesus and and the same God who we just saw in the burning bush is here in Revelation 19, 12. And it's Jesus, and it says this, Revelation 19, 12, his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. Could you just look at that again, verse 12? His eyes are like blazing fire. His eyes are like blazing fire. And Jesus, the same Jesus who took all of your sin to the cross and paid for it in full so you could be forgiven. Jesus, the same Jesus who stood on a mountainside with 5,000 people and said, they're all eating. Jesus, the same one The same one who from the cross spoke the words, it is finished, is the one with the fire in his eyes. And if you could look deeply into the eyes of Jesus, you would see what Moses saw on that mountainside. If you could look into the eyes of Jesus, you would see the same fire that was burning on that bush, alive in him. And if you could get close enough, the fire in his eyes would be reflected into you and set you ablaze. And I'm praying that it will. Jesus gave his own self-identification. When people were saying, well, who are you? Just like they asked, Moses asked God at the burning bush, who are you? People asked Jesus, who are you? And Jesus said, I am. He echoed exactly what we just saw in the burning bush moment, Jesus acknowledged, that's me, I am, I am. It's part of why they crucified him. You can't even say that, but he said that, I am. And he said it more ways than one too. And Jesus said in John 6, 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger and whoever believes in me will never thirst. That's Jesus, what he said. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. And for somebody, you're here today and you just feel this inner sense of boredom, this em- emotional weariness, tired out, that you're, you're like a desert inside of your soul. And, and Jesus is saying, look, whoever comes to me and believes in me will never thirst. And I think he's, 
here, present, right now, ready to satisfy somebody's thirst. Jesus said, I am. And he said it in more ways than one. He said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's Jesus demonstrating his own identity to you today. And for somebody who you feel stuck in the shadows, he's saying, well, come to me. I'm nothing but light. And you'll have it all. All of my brightness and shining goodness. In John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door. I am, I am, I am the door. And whoever enters through me will be saved. He'll go out and come in and find pasture. And for somebody you feel like an outsider, you wonder if you're mattering, and Jesus says, come on in. There's a place for you with me. I'm the door. Would you come in? He says it. I am, I am. So many ways. And Jesus says it like this in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And for somebody right now, you're wondering about your own worth and your own value. And Jesus is saying, let me tell you about how valuable you are. So valuable that, that I, as the good shepherd, I'm willing to lay my life down for you all the way. I am, he says, I am the good shepherd, willing to lay down my life for my sheep. John 11, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me will live even if he dies. Jesus is saying to somebody who's afraid of death right now, there's a way for you to be free from the fear of death, and it's through trust in me, because I'm the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me will never die. Jesus has that invitation for somebody today. And in John uh, 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. One more time, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And right now, I just want to say Jesus has an invitation for somebody. And that is for you to step through that door and to finally say yes to Jesus. Ask him to forgive your sin and save your life. And so I want us to take a moment and pray together right now. Let's just take a moment and be in the presence of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the ancient truth. This moment, several thousand years ago, that Moses had, but that is for us too. And thank you, God, that who you are is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. <laughs> You're a consuming fire, God. And your consuming fire is your righteousness and your purity and your holiness. And I want to say I welcome you, holy fire of God in my life. Come burn away whatever needs to be burned away. Father of God, would you come? Would you come, Lord? And I pray, Father, for someone right now to experience an awakening, a spiritual awakening. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, this stuff is all so new to me and I don't even know what I'm supposed to do and what is this really all about, let me make sure I'm really clear while we're praying. It's about the love of God coming fully in Jesus Christ so that you could be forgiven and saved and rescued, rescued from the sin and shame and guilt and bondage of evil. God wants for you to know that he came, rescuer Jesus, ready to rescue you. And he offers the gift of salvation to you. It's a free gift. And for somebody, what remains is to, to receive it, 
to finally say, yes, Jesus, I want to receive that gift from you today. And while we're praying together, if you're saying, I don't know where I stand with God, I want to know that I'm right with God. Being right with God happens the moment you say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive your sins. Then you're right with God through what Jesus has done. Have you had that moment yet where once and for all you've said, yes, Jesus, forgive my sin and save my life. If you haven't, I'm praying that right now you would step into that moment. And if right now in this moment, you would say, I wanna do that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. If that's truly where you are right now, right now, would you just raise your hand? That's you finally acknowledging, I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. Keep your hand up for me so I can see you. Right here in the middle of my left, thank you. Keep it up for a moment. Anyone else? I don't wanna miss you. If this is your moment to finally say, yes, Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? You need to raise your hand really high right now. It's your finally yes to Jesus moment. Up in the back, am I right? That's excellent. If there's anyone else, I don't wanna miss you. If you're online, just type in, I want to say yes to Jesus. And then I want you to pray with me right now. Those of you with your hand raised in particular, I want you to pray with me and you pray something like this. You say, Jesus, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You start right there. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me. Would you forgive my sin? Start right there. Jesus, would you forgive my sin? You could say it with me. Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? Say that to him. And Jesus, I believe that you're willing to forgive me. And Jesus, I believe that you're alive. Jesus, I believe that you conquered death. So would you come into my life and be Lord over me? And I confess you, Jesus, as Lord over my life. You get to call the shots. You get to give the direction because I'm yours. Just say that to him, something like that. I'm yours, Jesus, from this moment on. I'm yours, Jesus. Thank you for this gift of new life. I receive it now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. There's a couple of people that just said yes to Jesus. I think that's worthy of celebration. I think we should say thank you, God. Every time God makes his love known so that someone can be set free from sin and shame and guilt and experience salvation, that's something to celebrate. I want you to stand to your feet. Let's stay in the presence of God for a moment longer. Let's stay in the presence of God for a moment longer. Okay, so I want to pray for healing right now. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would reveal anything in particular that you are wanting to touch right now. Anything in particular, God, that you're wanting to touch in this moment for healing, ask for a revelation of it. For somebody, uh, the, this, the pain you have, the damage in your body, it's, it's right in your collarbone area up, in your, up, up here, and it, it's uh, immobilizing for you, causes all this pain, and I want to ask God to touch you and heal you, but I need to know who you are. If that's you up in this area of your body, you're damaged, you're, something's broken, it isn't working right, would you just raise your hand if that's you, if you know this applies to you right here in my left. Keep your hand up for a moment. I want to make sure we pray for it. It might be a couple of people. It's at least one right here. If there's anyone else, keep your hand up really high. Anyone else? 
right over here. So a couple of people from our ministry team come over here and just lay hands on. And Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, from the fiery presence of the consuming fire of God comes the love of God with a flow for healing. And Lord, I thank you for revealing one particular thing out of all the things that anybody could be sick with today, but to pray for somebody in this collarbone area, right by the neck. And if there's anyone else that didn't get their hand raised or wasn't in the room or was outside or online, for each one, God, I pray for your healing power to come. I pray for your healing power to come. Your healing power to come. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power moving in this moment. Holy Spirit, is there anything else that you want to do in this moment? Anything else you want to bring as a release of your love and your goodness? Yeah, somebody else, uh, it's an issue with your foot uh, and your, your Achilles, not your, the arch of your foot, that area of your foot. Uh, it's like it's on fire sometimes and it's so bad that you hobble around and you, you know that it's, it's messing up your ability to live the way you want to live. If that's you, if that word resonates with you, I'm sharing that as what I believe to be a word of knowledge. If it resonates with you, I want you to raise your hand. Bottom of your foot, right over here on my right. Some ministry people, I want you to come over here. Anyone else, raise your hands high right here and here. A couple here and here. Everyone else, right here. Everyone else, you'd be praying right now. Pray in the Spirit if you pray in the Spirit. Uh, sing in the Spirit. Ask God to bring His healing touch to your brothers and sisters who are suffering. Because haven't we, haven't we read the Scriptures? God said, I, I have seen their oppression. I'm, I'm aware of their suffering. And then in verse 10, God said, now go. So somebody right now, now go. You lay hands on somebody. Has God ever touched you? Has He ever brought a gift of comfort to you? Has He ever brought some healing to you? Then go, go, right now, go. Somebody with a hand up nearby you, at least go with an extended hand. And would you pray with me right now all across this room? Would you pray? Fire of God, come. Burn away whatever needs to be burned away. Fire of God, I pray that you would, God, I pray that you would move by your fire to burn away depression right now. God, I pray that by your fire, you would burn away bitterness right now. God, I pray that by your fire, you would burn away hopelessness right now. God, I pray that by your fire, you would burn away suicidal tendency. God, I pray that right now, by your holy fire, you would burn away despair. God, I pray that by your holy fire, right now, you would burn away loneliness. God, I pray that by your holy fire, join me, keep praying with me, not just me. What do you want the fire of God to burn away? What do you want the fire of God to burn away in your family? Say it. What do you want the fire of God to burn away in your personal private life? Say it, ask Him to do it. What do you want the fire of God to burn away in your workplace? Say it fire of God. God, would you come by your fire and burn away the division in the family? God, would you come by your fire and burn away the resentment? God, would you come by your fire and burn away the apathy? God, would you come by your fire and burn away the stupid addiction to vaping? God, would you come by your fire and burn away the tendency to turn towards horoscopes and tarot 
hearts. God, would you come by your fire and burn away the idols. God, would you come by your fire and burn away whatever is keeping us from our fullest life with you. Holy fire of heaven, come. Holy fire of heaven, come. Holy fire of heaven, come. Holy fire from heaven, descend on us, I pray, and let us burn again. Yeah. Let us burn again. And holy fire from heaven, descend on us, I pray, and let us burn again. burn again holy fire from heaven descend on us I pray and let us burn again let us burn again God I pray that you would light a fire that couldn't be extinguished God I pray that you would allow a fire to grow in us so much so that each one of us Wherever we go, there would be people around us that would have Moses-like moments going, huh, what's that? I gotta take a closer look. Come, holy fire of God, do something in us. Take us beyond what's normal and into what's supernatural. I believe, God, you want to do great things through your people, and I pray you would for as long as we have breath, God, that you'd do something great. All right, we prayed for healing for a number of things, for feet and uh, collarbone areas. Did God touch you? And if he did, and you felt his healing power come, I want you to raise two hands. And maybe he did it, and we didn't even call it out. But right here, could you, right here, could you just raise your hands real high? There's somebody raising the two hands of saying, God touched me and healed me. You don't make that up. God did that. And for everyone else, we just keep on praying. All right? Yeah, I'll share something with you. How many of you are about ready to have a, a surgery or a medical treatment of some kind? Anybody? Anybody? Number of us? One, two, three. Anyone else? We're about to have a medical treatment of some kind. Anyone else? Four. Five, there might be a few of us online too. I'm part of that number. I'm just sharing this with you real transparent. I, I get to uh, go have a surgery this week. I, I, I love the right here, right now, supernatural healings of God. I also love that sometimes he allows us to go through a process that even includes medical interventions. And I'm down with that. Yeah, I would prefer the other kind, but I'm also down with a, a great surgeon doing that work. But for all of us, and there's a bunch of us who are about to have a, a surgical moment or medical treatment, there's all kind of feelings. And you just kind of wish somebody would pray for you, Pastor Rick. You just wish that somebody would pray for you for healing. And so I want you to just pray for me and everyone else of us who has a hand up that's saying, I'm having medical treatment or surgery this week for all of us. Pray for Amen. all of us. Keep you your hand up with me, you. would you? Put a hand on their shoulder. Let them know they're not alone. And, and those of you who don't have a hand on somebody's shoulder, stretch it towards somebody and stretch it towards Pastor John right now. 
Lord, we just lift up everyone who has a hand raised in this room right now, who has a surgery coming up. We don't know all the reasons for the surgeries, but you know, Lord. You know what's going on in their body right now. We pray right now, Lord, that you would impart peace into their hearts and minds, God. That you would give the doctors and the nurses wisdom as they're trying to diagnose and and bring healing and wholeness to their bodies, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just give favor, Lord, in every decision that's made. Holy Spirit, give wisdom in every decision that's made, Lord. Lord, I pray specifically right now for our pastor, for Pastor John. Lord, would you be with him this week as he is going in for a surgery on his leg? Lord, there are some tumors that are going to be removed, and we believe, God, for total and complete healing in his body. In Jesus' name, Lord, would you touch our pastor, Lord? We pray the pain would go away. Lord, he is a man that lives with constant pain, and yet none of us would ever know it. It's amazing what you've done in his life up to this point. But, God, I believe healing is right around the corner. And so we just pray, God, for healing and wholeness in his body, Lord. And would it be a testimony, God, of your healing power? Give him peace. Lord, I know he's making a drive this afternoon to get tested all the way up in Santa Monica and to be back here for church tonight. We pray you'd clear those freeways, no traffic, no other issues, God. The test would go well, God, and he could have his surgery this week. So, Lord, be with our pastor and everyone else who has their arms raised right now. We pray for total healing in their body. In the name of Jesus, amen. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Yay! If I'm not dead, you're not done. Just sing that one line again. Sing it out. Whoa. I'm not dead, you're not done. And I believe that if I'm not dead, you're not done. This is true. I sing it out. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Whoa. If I'm not dead, you're not done. If I'm not dead, sing it out. I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are yet to come. Sing that. Greater things yeah. still. 